This is Ringler Radio, where you get all the latest news and information about settlement solutions, litigation, mediation, and structured financial security from Ringler, the largest and most experienced company of settlement consultants in the United States. Ringler has been helping injured people and their families since 1975. Ringler Radio is made possible in part by American General, Liberty Mutual, MetLife, Mutual of Omaha, New York Life, Pacific Life, and Prudential. Now join Ringler Radio host Larry Cohen. Well, hello and welcome to Ringler Radio, everyone. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, and we're certainly glad you could join us again today. Well, when a lawsuit or settlement involves an injured minor, it's up to parents and guardians to help assure the children are financially protected. History has shown that structured settlements are the safest and most secure option for an injured child and are highly regarded by probate judges who must ultimately approve all minor settlements. So today we'll be exploring the many reasons for that. And doing that, I'm going to have a special guest here with me. It's my Ringler colleague, Ryan Kristen Oliphant. Ryan heads Ringler's Covington, Kentucky office and supports operations in Cincinnati and Columbus as well. He's a returning guest to Ringler and a favorite one of mine. So with that, welcome back, Ryan. Welcome to Ringler Radio. Thank you, Larry. Happy to be back. Terrific. So let's start this uh, right from the beginning, Ryan. How do structures involving minors differ from those for adults? Okay, so the main difference between settlements with minors and adults is that most minor settlements require probate court approval. Liability settlements, on the other hand, with adults would not require that same court approval unless the settlement is based on a wrongful death or there is an incompetent adult involved. Terrific. Yeah, and you know, we everybody is looking to protect the child, obviously, the in those kinds of cases, the vulnerable individual and Often, oh, yeah. Oftentimes, you have adults making decisions for, for, for children, and you have to question maybe are they making the right decision. That's why the courts are very involved in that. And, uh, yeah, absolutely, the court approval process is really where the rubber meets the road on, the, on those cases. So what kind of long-term planning would go into protecting the settlement funds for a child until they reach age 18? Okay, so first off, I mean, the parents will need to understand that the structured settlement is not their emergency fund and that the periodic payments will be made by a highly rated life insurance company when they become due. One of my favorite parts of a structured settlement is that it protects the settlement and ensures that the funds are available at key points in the future as previously decided upon during the settlement process. Absolutely. And, you know, uh, sometimes by deferring the, the payments until age 18 at least provides the minor, once they reach majority age, of really having the control over the the, the funds themselves, rather than oh, exactly. uh, you know, rather and, than. And I mean, even if you just defer it to eighteen, let's say a structured settlement annuity versus a core control account, you'd still be able to have that tax free growth of the structured settlement for rides compared to just a simple core control blocked account. Where I mean, I believe that little bit of interest that it gets. Might actually be taxed. Is that right? That's correct. And of course, the the number one reason why it's it's better than the court blocked account is because that court blocked account comes out all at once at age eighteen, and we all know oh, what yeah. happens to eighteen year olds with a lot of money. That's not a very good recipe for uh, success. So, with this structure, you can actually take those funds that might start at eighteen, but spread them out over time to protect the the long term future of the of the of the child, which is really what we're all here talking about. Exactly. So, well, assuming we're not talking about a tiny infant, 
what influence, uh, Ryan, if any, can the child have in setting up the payment schedule? And what happens if the child disagrees with the parent or guardian's proposed disbursements? Okay. So first off, the parent or guardian is deciding on the payment schedule as he or she believes is in the best interest for the minor's future. You know, this is because the minor does not have the legal capacity to make a binding decision like this. I mean, I've worked with parents that believe the best route is to defer the PRI payments until age 25 or age 30 so that the money, A, does not negatively affect the FAFSA eligibility for the college years, but also so that their child is able to mature and become more responsible. As you know, this also allows a structure someone to grow more when the payments are deferred farther into the future, like we touched on earlier. Like I said, and then while the guardian acts on behalf of the minor, we frequently do see the parent discuss the options with the child. And we have seen the probate court judge ask the child, usually over 16, of course, uh, what you know, the child thinks about the plan. Maybe the judge might not weigh it as heavily, but just making sure that you know, they're closely on the same page. Exactly. And, you know, we've all seen cases where plaintiff attorneys in some instances or, or sometimes courts, if they suspect that the parents are not really dealing with the best interests of the child, may look to, to appoint a guardian ad litem that'll take on the responsibility of, of dealing only on behalf of the child's best interests. And sometimes they, uh, they clash with what the parents had in mind. So it's that team effort sometimes that comes up with the best result. For, oh, yeah, and I've child. seen that clash a few times, and I'm glad to say that it's, it's all, it seems to always have worked out for the best for the minor. No, no question. So what happens in the event, <laughs> hopefully the very uh, limited event, that the parent or guardian abuses their power and dissipates, spends down the child's assets? Okay, so this cannot happen when a structured settlement is set up properly. So the parent or guardian will not be able to dissipate the, quote, asset because the structured settlement is not the parent's asset. So another positive on how the structured settlement not only protects the future payee, but also protects the payee from his or her friends and family. But let's say with a court-controlled account, like we were speaking of already, depending on the scrutiny of the court, when asked for release of funds during the child's minority years, the funds could be improperly dissipated. Let's say the trust trustee, in the case of a trust, uh, they also seek to prevent dissipation as well. But in the rare instance when the court lets the parents take the money, like one case years ago in Louisiana where we had over a million dollars left in the hands of the parents without protection of the court or a trustee or a structure, you know, the risk of dissipate, dissipation is huge. Yeah, that reminds me of a case I had years ago in Chicago where we were trying like heck to put and protect the child's assets into a structure the parents refused. The court unfortunately agreed with the parents and put it into a one of those blocked accounts. Yeah. But along the way, the parents were able to petition the court for so-called necessaries, shoes and oh, things gosh. like that. And what, what, what the court later found out and what we all did was that although they were looking for these funds based on the need of the child, it turned out the parents were taking the money to Las Vegas and Wow. The account got dissipated, and uh, it, it led to some uh, reforms out there in the Chicago area. So that, that, that can happen, and so that's why structures, as you said, are, uh, are kind of the ultimate protection. Oh, yes. Well, when a child is injured, Ryan, a parent does have options after the settlement. There are court-administered blacked accounts, like we've mentioned. There are various trusts, and there are structured settlements. Uh, 
let me ask this question once again because I think it bears repeating. Why is a structured <laughs> why is a structured settlement the best option? Okay, great question. Um, all are good options, but not in all cases. Okay, so first, the core protected account. Few thoughts. The growth is extraordinarily small and is taxable, and the entire amount is available to the child at legal age. That might be age 18 or 19. Uh, getting a significant amount of money at age 18 can be a dissentive and create issues for eligibility for any college financial aid, like I spoke of. And if the child is, let's say, 16 and the settlement is not significant and is needed for tuition at 18, hey, the court. Bo- Core-controlled blocked account may actually be best, but then for the trust account, it does have a few positives. You know, depending on the size of the settlement, the nature, and the extent of the injury or injuries, and future care. So you've got trust management fees, you've got taxation, are a few items to review and consider. I mean, the trust is often also funded in part by a structured settlement. You know, for a catastrophic case, a trust with funding through a structure in part may be an excellent approach. But then to my favorite, the structured settlement is the best option in most cases because it is the safest and most secure option for injured children. Structured settlement will be funded by one or more top-rated life insurance company annuities, and the life insurance companies that offer these structured settlement annuities have over a 1,000 years of combined experience. And then as for parents and guardians, subject to court approval, they do have the flexibility to design a payment schedule providing benefits over time after the child reaches legal majority as part of the settlement process. You know, this does mitigate the risk of the child receiving a large lump sum while still young and inexperienced with managing money. Additionally, structured settlement is not subject to management and other ongoing fees similar to a trust account. You know, payments are entirely state and federal income tax-free, unlike the other options when you select a structured settlement annuity. No question, and that's uh, that was a, a great rundown, Ryan. And uh, you know, one of the ones that a lot of people don't don't think about is the one you mentioned that uh, you put money in other vehicles, trust, etc. There are all kinds of fees and expenses along the way that tend to eat away at whatever rate of returns that the, the people think they they might be getting that uh, that are a little better potentially than the structured settlement fixed rate. But uh, in the long run, we know we know that a tax free fixed structured settlement is likely to be in the best interest of each and every claimant that accepts it. So with that, let's take a quick break. We'll be back in a minute right here on Ringler Radio with more on this interesting topic about dealing with minor settlements. We'll be right back. This is Ringler Radio, brought to you from Ringler, the nation's leading provider of fair settlement solutions, did you know that Ringler is involved in a third of all structured settlement cases in the country? Ringler advisors work with all the parties in a lawsuit settlement to find the best possible financial solution for the people involved. Everybody wins. There's a Ringler consultant in all the major cities of the U.S. No one has more experienced experts in the settlement business than Ringler. Check out our website at www.ringlerassociates.com for the best information for injured parties, attorneys, and claims professionals to find the Ringler advisor nearest you. When it's your interest at stake in a lawsuit settlement, you want only the best, most objective financial plan. You can count on Ringler advisors to create a customized plan that meets the financial needs of you and your family for the future. 
Visit ringlerassociates.com to learn more. Welcome back to Ringler Radio. Glad you could join us. I'm your host, Larry Cohen, and along with our guest, Ryan Kristen Oliphant of Ringler's Ohio region, we've been discussing the role structured settlements play in minors' cases. Well, Ryan, let's take a look at the long-term benefits for a minor with a structured settlement. For example, most folks are aware of how structured settlements can help parents pay for higher education. Uh, Talk about that, and what else is out there? Okay, of course. So a minor could also benefit by a guaranteed lump sum time for, let's say, a down payment to buy a home or to even start a business. Um, future payments time for medical or orthodontia needs. Uh, sometimes annual plans timed for birthdays. Um, in catastrophic cases, payments may be timed to meet lifetime needs. On the more typical case, if you will, so not extremely catastrophic, you don't have you know a ton of medical needs, Um, One design that I typically like to introduce would be monthly payments to start following uh, the graduation from college or trade school. You know, so so these monthly payments could actually help with recurring expenses, let's say rent, car payments, etc. But I always try to be mindful so that the monthly income supplement, as I like to label it, uh, does not hinder the graduate's desire to be gainfully employed and to help the graduate from not needing to, oh, let's say, move back into the parent's home after graduation. <laughs> exactly. You, nobody wants to take away the incentive uh, of any young person to uh, go out there and make something of themselves. And But a structure can oftentimes, you know, be the uh, be kind of the foundation, be be a little bit of a safety net for, for that individual as he goes out with his employment. He's got money potentially to pay for the rent or his car payment, et cetera. And that, that's a real big help as people are getting started in life. And, um, of course, one of the other the other issues is if you have, uh, and we see this a lot with minors, you know, when they have dog bite cases where, unfortunately, dog might bite a little child and, and there may be scarring. So you can, you can set up lump sums in the future to kind of match some kind of scarring revision surgery that may be coming up in the future. And it can really help uh, alleviate that issue as well. So that's, that's, a, that's a good way to uh, talk about those other areas out there that can help parents uh, deal with some of the issues that they have with children involved in claims like this. Well, finally, the right of a structured settlement recipient to sell all or part of their tax-free benefits, and usually at a deep discount, remains a highly controversial issue for the industry. So is the parent or guardian of a minor allowed to sell the structure with or without approval of a court once a judge has blessed the settlement containing the original structure? That's an interesting question for you. What's it really answer? is an interesting question. Thank you for that, Larry. <laughs> um, a child or an incompetent adult has the protection of the court system. With a child, the probate court approved both the settlement and the structured settlement payout. For the parent or guardian to attempt to access the money, they would need approval from the probate court, not just the court that would normally preside over the factoring transaction. So I do not know of a single example where the probate court approved such a transfer of the uh, transfer of the future payments, if you will. To address your question directly, no, the parent is not allowed to sell the future payment rights without approval of the court. As a general rule, settlement funds are paid for injuries sustained by a minor child and are for the exclusive benefit of the child. Well, that's very important to hear, Ryan, because you know obviously courts want to protect the minor's settlement funds. 
And uh, any attempt to try to factor those funds would be, uh, I'm sure, frowned upon very, very significantly. And as you said, the probate court is, is kind of a protective process there for that scenario, but uh, it's, it's important to keep your eyes peeled if you're involved in those cases, both as, a, as the plaintiff attorney and uh, certainly any guardian involved, and, and hopefully the parents too, that they don't have uh, that in mind when they're trying to deal with the future of their own children. Well, with that, Ryan, if somebody wanted to get a hold of you to talk more about this or to have you involved in cases that they may have, how would they, how would they contact you? So they can contact me at 877-541-9388. They can contact me directly on my mobile at 317-289-1882. Or you can find me on ringlerassociates.com. Top right corner, you can search, just type in Ryan. That's the easiest way to do it. And then you're going to scroll down, looking at the few Ryans at Wrangler. You're going to find me right there at Ryan Kristen Oliphant. And I think we're going to see your picture there too, aren't we, Ryan? I believe you will. I believe you will. <laughs> well, that's cool. So <laughs> I, I would, yeah, I would encourage anybody to uh, to contact uh, any of the Ringler Associates by going to ringlerassociates.com and, of course, explore the website. There are lot, there's lots of great information, including information on the topic we've been discussing today. And, of course, on that website, ringlerassociates.com, you can find all the Ringler Radio shows we've done over the years. And you can also find the shows on ringlerradio.com, legaltalknetwork.com, or on iTunes, where you can download the show and listen at your leisure. So with that, Ryan, I want to thank you again for being a great guest and uh Thanks again for uh, informing everybody about this great topic. So thank you again, Ryan. Hey, thanks for having me, Larry. Terrific. And for all the rest of you out there, go have a great day. Bye-bye. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, Legal Talk Network, its officers, directors, employees, agents, representatives, shareholders, and subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer. Thanks for listening to Ringler Radio, celebrating more than a decade of podcasting and over 2 million listeners. Think of Ringler, the objective settlement advisors with more than 140 consultants in 60 cities nationwide. Visit ringlerassociates.com today.